As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, James. Uh, we are recording while the Leafs are on the road. I just joined the team in D.C. after our man Joshua Cloak was with them in Florida. One not-so-great game, one pretty good game for them in Tampa. Uh, we are five games into their season. Do you have any five-game thoughts that you want to get off your chest? Uh I think the game against the Lightning was their best game of the season. That's probably not much of a hot take. And I actually think they, they weren't that bad in Florida, I don't think. Like, I, I know they lost and they didn't generate offense, but you can sort of see the, I don't know, things are coming together a little bit better after some really sloppy games to start the season. That's that's my five-game takeaway right now. Yeah, it's tough, like, with, with it being so early in the season. Like, you don't want to come to any rash conclusions, but... You can only evaluate what you can evaluate, and so far it's been some not great. And obviously, you mentioned that the Tampa game, I think, was easily their best. Like, I don't even know. I guess you'd say, would they end the up with Florida fifty-five game? shots or something like that? Like, uh, I know fifty-two. I know the Lightning are uh, somewhat diminished, but even still, the Leafs were all over them for long stretches of that game. I mean, they they just looked dominant. So, you know, and and Nylander is. Nylander is having quite a start. He's got he's got four goals and nine points in the first five games, and you know he's playing big minutes too. You know, like in in previous years, I don't think he's averaged more than like eighteen minutes a game, right? Before last year was his career high, and it was like eighteen and a half. So he's at twenty thirty seven right now after five games, and some of that. I mean, they've had a couple overtime games. 
they've been playing from behind quite a bit, which, and I know we're going to get into this, which, which can mean you lean on your offensive guys even more, but full marks to Nylander, 20 shots on goal. He's, he's been very, very, very good so far. Yeah. I, I kind of think like after the last couple games, it's like, I mean, it doesn't matter who cares, but I think it's like neck and neck with him and Matthews for who's been the best leaf so far. I'm like, I think he's been that good. What's interesting about that game on Saturday, the Tampa game, and, and we're recording this before they play in Washington on Tuesday, is it didn't really, like, they had to change things up in terms of some of the combinations, like, midway through the game, and it was really only then that they started to kind of turn the game. I, I think they were in control for, for good chunks of it, but they put Matthews, Marner, and Neander together, which is something they don't do a ton of. They put Nyes with Domi and Kampf. And then they put Bertuzzi and Yarncroft, if I'm not mistaken, with Tavares. And obviously, it was, it was Nyes and Domi that connected on the two goals. I think that was Domi's best game. What do you think? Like that, just the plays, even before that, those goals, he made a couple plays to set up. I think it was Yarncroft, where it's like, ah, yeah, that's that's kind of what they're looking for from Max Domi. So the second goal, he make he's he charges up the ice and he makes that that. You know, it, it kind of catches Tampa off guard because he doesn't pass it to the guy next to him. He passes it like the long pass going all the way across the offensive zone to Nyes, and then Nyes makes that incredible shot. I thought it was funny, though, the tying goal. Domi, if you watch it back again, I watched it a couple of times, Domi turns the puck over, and it almost goes back the other way, like almost bad turnover to yes. Hagel in the in the neutral zone, like, like really bad. Like he tries to make some dipsy-dangle move through his feet that doesn't yep. work. And you know who comes in, plays cleanup crew, and gets the puck back right away? Yeah. David Camp. David Camp steps in, strips the puck off, Hagel, moves it the other way, and then they score the goal. So it's interesting. You know, like the, it seems like a weird combination to have Domi playing with Camp, but he, he, he fixes the mistake, corrects the mistake, and then Domi on his next attempt makes good on it and makes that pass. And I scores the tying goal and they end up winning in overtime. And, it's like Domi giveth and Domi taketh away. And, but in the first four games of the season, there wasn't a lot enough giveth. There was just, you know, mistakes and icings and things like that. And, you know, as long as he's, he's a game breaker when, uh, when he's going offensively and we're starting to see that, you know, I'm looking now, you know, when he's on the ice, it's 3.3 expected goals per 60. And when he's in four and against it's 3.11. So that's, that's what I would call a high event player. There's a lot going on when he's on the ice. Yeah, and and I think that's going to be one of the big things for him as to whether this works or not is like we talk about his play defensively. He's made a lot of like dicey plays with the puck and it's something that Sheldon Keith has talked to him about. And it's like, man, like that that's that kind of stuff can't happen as much as it does, but you can well, see Keith just yeah. Keith's got like such like a low tolerance for that stuff, right? Like he's not, you know, he, he tends to have a really short leash for players like that. So it's Domi doesn't really feel like a Keith kind of player, no, I would say. I agree with that. Yeah. And I, and I mean, to your point about him playing with camp, it's like this is kind of the crux of what we talked about with some of the changes that they made in the offseason. It's like, how is this all supposed to work? And I think we're seeing some of the challenges with that. I mean, ahead of the, the Capitals games, they've changed their lineup again and and they're going to put 
Yarncroft back with Matthews and Marner, which is a look that they went to last year and had success with. They're going to try Bertuzzi with Tavares and Neander. So that makes, I think that's mm. four left wingers who played with Tavares and Neander already. And we're in, they're about to head into their sixth game. Well, so yep. Jonas, the Tampa game, they basically used seven lines, right? Because the top three yes. lines, they had they had two different looks. And if you look at the ice time, it was basically split rate in half. And then the fourth line barely played at all, played like four or five minutes. Yeah, you're trailing. Um, you can't really play that line, right? Right. So it's, I, I wonder, you know, watching the Tampa game, I wonder if like they just need to have two or three different iterations of the lineup of these line combinations. And maybe that is like, a, maybe it's like a, if you're trailing, you have a certain kind of formation that you go with. And if you're, if you're leading and you're trying to lock it down, which they haven't been a lot this year, if you're leading, maybe it's a different look of the lineup that you, that you're deploying. Yeah. And I guess it, it I mean, it's all going to be feel based on who's going and who's not. And I, I even think to your point, like one of the things that they, I was going to mention in my Monday column that they've, kind of dabbled with a little bit that I'm curious to see maybe more of is they put Riley and Klingberg together a little bit when they've been mm-hmm. trailing and I'm like yeah that that, that kind of makes sense to get Klingberg well, dangerous. more involved. Right? Yeah. Well it's dangerous on, on both sides <laughs> really when you think about it. Um, but so you know Nyes gets the two big goals are you what do you make of like their scoring beyond the top guys? Because I mean it's it's been made out that it's the four forwards who have been scoring all the goals. It's really just the two forwards. Tavares has a couple goals. Marner has one, but it's it's Neilander and Matthews who have 10. I don't think we ever thought scoring w- would be an issue, and I, and I don't think scoring is an issue, but do you are you concerned at all when you look at their lineup and think, like, where are they supposed to get offense from beyond their top two lines? Like, is that just going to be the thing with this team? Well, I think if you've got Nyes and Domi on the third line, you should be getting some offense there, even if they're playing with Camp. I mean, the fourth line, there's no offense there at all. It's where offense goes goes to die. You just have to hope that that's like where the other team isn't able to 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 beat them. But like like go down the lineup. Like if if Domi, Nyes, and Bertuzzi are all producing offense, they should be fine. But what's been happening a lot of this year is that hasn't been what's been happening. And, and I, I think Keith correctly identified the problem. Nyes wasn't playing enough. You know, he was playing with Minton and then Keith didn't trust Minton. And then all of a sudden Nyes is only playing 11 minutes a game and not really getting involved enough. All of a sudden you put him up with better players. You play him. I, I think Domi makes sense to play with Nyes. And then maybe, like I said, maybe camp is like the fail safe there. Maybe that makes sense. And then maybe that's, it's kind of weird because you're not using that line the way you think you would use camp. Like they're not going to use it as like a defensive stopper line, but maybe it's a sheltered third line that, you know, that's going to pop in some goals once in a while. Yeah. I guess that's, that's kind of my issue and something I wrote about last week and you and I were talking about is like, you kind of defeat the purpose of camp a little bit in, in terms of how they've been using him early this year. And I think after, I think it was, I wrote that story after the Chicago game and the next game he played more and then he played like almost 15 minutes uh, in Tampa. But I'm looking back to last year in terms of how they started the season. They tried to do this. I would forgot this. They tried to do this last year to start the year two where they had Kerfoot as their third line center. And right. then eventually they just went away from that because they, it just didn't work. And they went back to camp as the third line center. And there you go. Um, 
the difference, I guess, is they had different personnel to play with them and they could kind of create a line that could do what we're talking about. Um, but I, I think the guy we've kind of glossed over a little bit and haven't talked a lot about at all is Bertuzzi. I mean, he's got one goal and one point through the first five games. He's clearly playing hurt. Uh, I just got back from practice, James. And like a lot of the time during breaks in the drills, he was like stretching something out like a lot, like just mm-hmm. like constantly. So clearly he's hurt and clearly he's playing through something. But he just didn't fit with Matthews and Marner really at all. Like there was like a brief glimmer where you're like, eh, I could kind of see this. I thought he looked better though when he got away from that line. I thought that I agree. He, he looked out. good with Tavares. Yeah. It, it seemed like yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. So I mean, he hasn't. It's hard to know. Like, do you think he's been hurt the whole year? Like from rate going back? No, I think this is a like a recent thing. It's hard to say. They, I, I mean, one thing I, I haven't mentioned to you, and I, I think is is like mildly interesting, is they've kind of gone away from something that they did in the past. Uh, as far as talking about injuries, I mean, for a while there under Kyle Dubis, they were telling us what the injuries were, and now they've kind of reverted back to under Bradtree Living, just saying upper body, lower body, undisclosed. So it, it's it's hard to say when this issue popped up, what it is. So, unfortunately, that forces us to speculate. Um, but I wonder, like, one of the things I, I remember Sheldon Keith mentioning early in the year about playing with Matthews and Marner, and I think it's really true and it's a good point, and I wonder if this is why it didn't work with Bertuzzi. He said they play at, like, a really high pace. And I, and I wonder if someone like Bertuzzi is not the quickest guy, and, and obviously if he's playing hurt, it's even more difficult. You're playing against really good lines. Maybe you just can't play with, those two guys in terms of how quickly they move the puck in terms of how quickly they think how quickly like they're kind of just dipping and darting you know what i mean you're definitely not going to have the puck very much either right that's a huge part of it too i I actually think people are seem like they're down on it but i actually kind of think yarn works there on that line because like he's good really good defensively he he's not gonna it's not going to rattle him if he doesn't have the puck a lot. And he's a good shooter. He's not the best passer. So he's he's available if you want to pass it to him to shoot the puck. Yeah. Um, I know he's kind of like meat and potatoes, but I think... And the other thing I like about having Yarncroc there is it kind of gives you some punch down the lineup a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. And I think maybe like you can get a, a way or you can, if you're the Leafs, hope that Bertuzzi fits with Tavares and Nylander because no one else has. and maybe. I don't know, maybe that's the thing that gets Bertuzzi going and he can give you some offense there. And then to your point, that pushes Domi and Nyes down and maybe you can create a deeper lineup. But I mean, Matthews and Marner, like to your point, they have the puck so much that they almost just need the third guy to kind of like find a way to exist and be helpful. And, you know, the more I was watching Bertuzzi, the more I went back and, and was thinking about how bunting fit in there. And I know there was a lot of stuff that became like too much with him, obviously taking too many penalties, just a lot of noise around him, but he really did find a way to coexist with those guys and make himself useful. And I kind of am thinking back and thinking like, maybe, I think I properly rated that at the time, but I, I kind of just assumed Bertuzzi would just be able to do the same thing. And maybe he can't. Like maybe Bunting had some specific skills that that Bertuzzi doesn't and he can figure out how to fit in with those guys. That's a long-winded 
I don't know where I'm taking that, but is there anything about bunting that you think made him fit that maybe doesn't fit for Bertuzzi? Um, well, bunting was like more like I don't know. I like mean, I, he didn't. I, I thought he was. He's a, not like great a, at. He's not great at carrying the puck right, like through the neutral zone. And no, nope. like, on that line, you don't need to do that. Whereas, like if you're a player who wants to create something off the rush, that's probably not a great line to play in because those guys are going to do it all on their own. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I was just like, I, I think one of the things that Bunting did pretty well is I think he's like a pretty good passer um, mm. and he would make a lot of like s- passes in tight spaces, short little passes, like he'd kind of puck down on the forecheck and he'd kind of just get it to Matthews or Martyr and they'd kind of do something with it. And like he had a million assists the last couple of years and obviously much of that is just because of who he's playing with. But he also did make these little plays and I just didn't see a ton of that with Bertuzzi. And like, honestly, like, I guess it doesn't totally matter if Bertuzzi fits with Matthews or fits with Tavares and helps one of the lines. He just needs to fit with someone and needs to give them something. Because like another thing I was thinking, James, I spent all these time this time at practice just thinking like, I wonder about this. I wonder about this. And it's like one of the reasons for letting Zach Hyman go was like, well, you can just find other guys to play there. And it's like they're basically playing Tyler Bertuzzi, what they would have paid Zach Hyman, obviously, it's just a one-year contract, but you need it to work. Like you're paying a pretty good chunk of money for Tyler Bertuzzi, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, their only cap flexibility in the offseason, they had about thirteen million dollars, and you know, five of the thirteen goes to Bertuzzi, three goes to Domi, uh, four goes to Klingberg, and one point three goes to to Reeves. Um. You know, if, if both Bertuzzi and Domi struggle, which they did for the first four games of the season, for sure, you're not you're not getting nearly enough out of out of, out of like that. Th- those additions were really those were Brad Tree Living putting his stamp on this team. Yeah, that was his opportunity to spend that money, and and I think the jury's still out. You know, we'll 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 see, but I can definitely see Bertuzzi potentially fitting on on another line better than with Matthews and Marner. And I think that that's okay. You know, I, I guess Bertuzzi, Tavares, Nylander, it's not going to be like a defensive stalwart line, but you know, with the way Nylander's playing right now, it's going to certainly be a dangerous line. Yeah. It just, it gets back to kind of the functionality of all the different lines. It's like, well, who's sharing in the tough matchups with Matthews? if that's the way your lineup is going to be, right? Like, I don't know who, I don't even know. Well, I mean, that's the challenge with the personnel they've got is that, you know, I mean, you can either create a checking line that's not going to produce anything if you have Yarncroc and Camp together, or you can split it up a little bit more. And yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I don't know who else, like who, who do you want to be playing in the D zone and, I wonder, has Keith talked about it all this year from what you've seen? You've been in most of his scrums this year. Has he talked about the idea of having kind of like not being set in his lines and just being kind of like being able to like flip to different looks based on the situation? Because it really feels like that with the personnel he's got, that seems to make the most sense to me what he should be doing. He's not talked about that, but you see him doing that from time to time. Um, 
but again, like they just don't have a ton of people who can do all these different things, right? Right? Like if you're going to play Yarncroc with Matthews and Marner, it's like, okay, well, now I want to put Camp out there for the defensive zone draw against, I don't know, the Stamkos line. It's like, okay, well, hmm, who are you playing wanna, him with? Who am I playing him with? Right? Like that's that's yeah. What that's would you the do? Challenge. Nice Camp. <laughs> Gregor, who else? Like Gregor's barely playing. Like I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting. Nice Camp Nylander. I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, the other thing that was interesting in the Tampa game is they went to the Nylander Matthews Marner quite a bit. Like they played together. I think you you had it in your story. Like last year, they played thirty seven minutes or something together yeah. at even strength, mm-hmm. and they played like seven minutes in that game together. Eight and a half. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. I actually think it's something he should go to more often than he has. And a lot of it is because like they haven't needed to. But I think it's like an interesting look when you're trailing in a game that it really puts a lot of more pressure on the opposition when it's like Matthews, Martin, or Nealander all out there together. It hasn't like the underlying numbers are good. I don't know that they they've scored as much as you would think that they would score. Again, very small sample. Um they didn't score obviously on Saturday. They did generate like eighty percent of the expected goals, but that's a that's a thing. Like they didn't score, but they were all over all them. Over and then Tampa, yeah. and then Tampa's tired, and then you get out. You know, the nice Domi line goes out there and scores. So, um, they they certainly were wearing the Lightning. Like it just looked the ice was tilted when they were out there. I liked. I mean, it's it's fun to watch when you get the super lines going. Okay, so you were at practice today. Like, what are they working on? Like, what's the focus for Keith right now? Uh, you know, after coming off a game like that? Well, I think defensively, obviously, you could see the changes that they made in the Florida game, Tampa game, didn't give up a ton. I was kind of interested in something else. Um, obviously, so you, you yeah. mean like the changes to the pairings or something they're doing like stylistically? I just mean defensively, they've tightened up the last couple games. And obviously, yeah, that yeah. has coincided with the the changes in the pairs. Yeah. To me, what I was watching more closely was what was going on with the goalies. Mm. And obviously, we haven't touched on that yet. Samsonov obviously gets pulled three goals, four shots on Saturday. There was a lot of like, a lot of Samsonov and Samford at practice today. And obviously, like, there's a lot of that usually. But like, I can give you an example. Like, the practice had ended. And the two of them were just sitting on the bench and and Sanford was going over things on a whiteboard with Samsonov. Like that's not something I've seen a ton of. Well and he Samsonov, wasn't good in he wasn't good in training camp. He wasn't good in preseason. He looks like he's scrambly Sammy instead yes. of the goalie he was most of last year. So I can I, I think the concern goes beyond just like one bad game. Yeah, and like Samsonov said, like they were just trying to get back to basics and like I don't know. I mean, the NHL just released its new stats site. Did you see this thing? Uh, I, I didn't look too closely at it. To be well, honest. so I'm kind of curious to pick through it. But like before that, I was just kind of picking through some of the goals that have gone in. And I just, it's it's interesting. Like the start, the way the season starts, it, it felt like he was unlucky. Like pucks were like bouncing in weirdly, going off sticks, going off bodies. And it's kind of progressed to like he's just getting beat clean. And I don't know how much this this stat means to you. And you can I mentioned in, on Monday, the distance of the goals that are going in is like 
increased from last year. And you can see a lot of the shots, and, and Keith mentioned this, I think, after the Florida game, where a couple shots are just going in from deep. And it's just like, these are not the kind of goals you saw him give up last year. And it was just like, that was something that, that really caught me at practice is like, while Samford and, and Sam Snob are sitting on the bench going over things, Joseph Wall is doing a media scrum talking about his next start. And it's just like, it was a weird kind of contrast. One goalie maybe rising, one goalie kind of sputtering a little bit. I mean, what do you make of this this whole thing in goal with Samsonov with Wall? One goalie's got a nine forty nine save percentage, and the other one has an eight thirty one. <laughs> so it's and it's we're it's small sample sizes, but I, I liked uh, I liked Keith's quote after the Tampa game. I, I I don't know who asked him the question, but the response was something about you know is is Wool pushing for more starts or something like that and Keith was like oh he's pushing <laughs> you know i i there was this undercurrent and we t- i think we talked about it with CJ on the podcast last week right there was this undercurrent around the organization in training camp that there's there's some people who really think that Joseph Wool's the real deal and that he could potentially be the guy who takes the crease and goes with it and um we'll see i mean he's going to they're playing Washington on Tuesday, the Capitals have been brutal this year. They're like the worst offensive team in the league right now. I mean, I can see a situation where, you know, Wool plays well for a couple of games and gets more of the net than we were expecting this early in the year. Yeah, which is is great for Wall. And it like, I mean, in the end, it it doesn't totally matter if if Wall's the guy and Samsonov's not. But like, basically, they do need both goalies to be helpful. Like. Samsonov can't be this the whole year. Like, that won't work. Um, and it remains to be seen, like, if if Wall can do even the backup job, let alone being a starter, right? It highlights for me, too, like, doing the one year and the arbitration or whatever, it makes so much sense. Like, you just, you don't really know what Samsonov is yet. Like, he could just turn into a pumpkin this year. And I don't know, man. Like, I would feel... You look at what's happening in Edmonton with their goalies, and it's like, man, I don't want to ever commit to a goalie ever, <laughs> you know, in terms of like term or like really high dollars. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know. I wonder if we get to a point where teams are like carrying three goalies who all make two million or less, and you just like play whichever one is playing well. Well, that's basically not exactly, but what happens a little bit with running backs in the NFL, where it's just like we're just gonna we're not gonna pay for running backs. We're just gonna like have these guys and we're gonna draft them late and like maybe this guy will stick, maybe that guy will stick. Um yeah, like I was talking to Tarek Al Bashir, we were talking about Samsonov's end in Washington. And he just said like by that point, which I think would would have been what was that, summer of twenty two? Right? That's right. Summer of twenty two. Uh, yeah. He said like they they were just done with him. Like they had seen enough. And and when you think about that, it's like he was like a first round pick. Like that was the end of his entry level contract, I think. Maybe. And they just didn't qualify him. Like it's that's what, what would concern me is like th- as you pointed out to me at one point, I, I don't know why it stuck with me that you mentioned this, but they just kept giving him opportunities to be their starter in Washington. And like he just didn't take it like he would falter for whatever reason and there was other stuff obviously there was like off ice stuff and i mean he was still a pretty young guy when he signed in toronto last year and yeah you know the what people in washington had 
told me was that, you know, maybe he grows up and maybe he matures and maybe this is a wake-up call for him, the fact that we didn't even qualifying offer him. And it kind of seemed like that with the way he played last year. And I'm not saying that the reason he struggled early this year is like off-season stuff, but, you know, after leaving the Capitals, there was there was talk that like conditioning and things like that were not his like strong suit. So, and that, that talk's going to get louder if he has a really poor year this year. All right, let's take a break and then there's a bunch of other stuff I want to talk to you about and then we'll take some questions. That sound good? Yes, it does. Good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James. Uh, before we get into what I have laid out for us to discuss, is there anything you want to discuss? Maybe it's something that I have planned. But let what me know where your mind's at. What do I want to discuss? Hmm. Okay, let me ask you this. You're on the road with the team. Why the heck is Fraser Minton still there? Why haven't they just sent him back to yeah. Camelot's Blazers to light, light it up? It's a good question. Keith was asked about it today and basically said they're taking it a day by day. He's not playing on Tuesday. I mean, I guess there's a chance he plays on Thursday, but I mean, it depends obviously the way the game goes. Like, clearly he's going to be going back. I, I just think it seems like a foregone conclusion. It's just like, when are they going to make that decision? Like it was interesting, like even just watching him at practice today, he was the extra forward. He did a lot of like individual work at the end of the practice. Like he worked on his skating with Manny Malhotra. He was the last guy on the ice. It just, I mean, this has been obviously a good experience for him. Get some NHL games, be around the NHL team for a while. I think it's, it's time, right? Like it wasn't working. It wasn't supposed to work really. Like there was no thought that he was even going to be on the team when camp started. It's they're on they're on they're on the road, Jonas, and they don't have an extra defenseman right now. So if like a defenseman gets hurt in morning skate or something, it's going to be they don't have cap room to call anyone up. Uh, Minton's taking up whatever little cap room that they've got. So, I mean, they might end up having to play a game short of defenseman 
like I don't understand why like if Minton's not playing, they've clearly made the decision. Why like why not just send him home now? Honestly, well, like this is this is based on nothing. I would not be surprised if in like and this is again just my intuition that in the next day or two we just get a notice from the Leafs saying he's been sent back to Kamloops and someone Simon Benoit has been recalled. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I was. I, yeah, I know. I was just surprised it hasn't happened yet. Like, I don't really know. I don't understand what they're waiting for. They got games. They're they're on the road this trip. They got Washington, Nashville, uh, Dallas, Nashville. Yeah. Um. Usually, when a t- NHL teams are on the road, they want to have an extra defenseman just because yeah. you can play short or forward and be okay. But it's it's tough to play with five D in an NHL game. It is. Speaking of that, um, I mentioned the changes on defense the pairs i think that's worked like i I think it's been better i think lilligren's played really well i think he's played well next to mccabe i think mccabe has kind of settled down i mean the the issue becomes a little bit and this is something you alluded to the last time we spoke it's it just gets a little harder to find minutes for klingberg i think that that's okay though like i don't think that i think klingberg probably should be on the third third pair at even strength um yeah. That's kind of what that's kind of what he is now. I mean, you're using him on the first power play unit, and like you said, when you're trailing, you can play him a little bit more. But he shouldn't be playing like 24 minutes like he did in the first game of the season. Like it doesn't make any sense, especially against teams like Florida and Tampa that have really a lot of high end offensive players. Yeah, it's just a lot to to pay for a third pairing defenseman who plays 17, 18 minutes. No, does that matter? Maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, I think you just use the lineup that like makes sense, and it's. I mean, the good news is that Lilgren looks like he's a top four guy right now. I mean, that's. I, I still don't like McCabe, though. I mean, I know, I know, we came into the year, and I was bigger on McCabe than you were, but like, it's just he, above what he is, man. Like, it's to me. But I don't know why he's playing the way he is. Like, he's all over the ice. Like, well, I don't understand what what he's trying to do. Yeah. He's trying to be like, but McCabe's never been a big offensive guy. Like, why is he pinching and and he almost scored? Yeah, I know, but like the the key word in that sentence is almost. Yeah, so he, has, I, he doesn't have a single point. No, he's got the yeah. worst plus minus on the team. He's, I just, I don't know, I don't know. It just seems like he's out of position a lot, and his partner's having to cover for him a lot. I guess like to, yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I guess just to bring it back to Klingberg. So Tampa game, these are the five on five minutes for the defense. Okay. It's always great when you read out numbers on a, a podcast. So Riley plays 2142, Lilligren 2022, McCabe 1948, Brody 17 and a half, Klingberg 1315. And now if you zero in even a little bit more, James, and you look at who did Klingberg play with, well, he spent most of his time with Max Domi, David Camp, Matthew Nyes. Played a teeny bit with Tavares and almost nothing with Matthews. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, it doesn't feel like you're, you totally optimize him this way. And yet I think it makes sense just because of how bad it was with him and McCabe and Obviously, the defensive questions we have, but it just doesn't feel like you want him to help your offense, but then he's playing a bunch with like not your best offensive players. He's number one on the team in offensive zone 
face-off percentage. Like the, the okay. more, I think what they're looking at is like they don't want him starting in the D zone. He's at for a defenseman. He's at seventy-one percent offensive That's zone percentage high. of his draws there. So, you know, there's the there's there's no but there's no other defenseman like really close to him on the team. So I think I think what you're seeing is not even so much which forward group is he out there with. It's just like protecting him as much as possible. Playing yeah, him against third, playing him against third lines, playing him in the offensive zone, cutting his minutes back a bit. Again, like the same with Domi, Klingberg's not really like a Keefe player. He's not really the type of player that that he values. Do you think he's brought a lot of extra, I don't know, zest to the power play? Like, do you think that's been a big change? Or it's I mean, just like been, more of the same? There's been moments. I mean, I think you highlighted that like expected goals on the power play are lower, right? Yeah, from last year with the number one unit. He doesn't, you know what he doesn't have? He's He hasn't. I was looking at the the shots for the power play. Hasn't shot as much as like you like he attempts some shots, so I think that's obviously a little bit of a difference from Riley. He hasn't been able to get them through. Like he he's has been not. hitting stuff in front and yeah. Yeah, so he has two shots on the power play in eighteen. Minutes. I mean the the power play's at like thirty percent right now, so Yeah, it's working. It's it's been going in, so it kind of feels a bit nitpicky. Maybe a little bit a little bit nitpicky early. I think Klingberg's been fine on the power play. Like, I don't have any problems with it there. He's obviously a very good passer. And I think when he's on your third pair, when he's on your third pair, he can help lift Giordano up. He can help move the puck and create offense from that position. Um, You know, three of his four points, I believe, have been at even strength. So, you know, he's he's been he's been generating... He's been generating. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of shots on goal in general. Like he's, no, he does not. Five. He's he he's more of a passer. Like that's really like what he wants to be, and he's really good at on the breakout in that sense when he gets it and moves it up. But it's you know it's funny you say that and then go back to what I said earlier. I mean, they're starting him in the offensive zone almost every shift, so it's not like they're using him on the breakout that much. Yeah, like it, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is like I'm not sure. I, I think he's been fine. It just feels like it. it it sort of solved the need in terms of like their ability to move the puck, but to your point, starting a lot on offense. I think Jonas, I they just felt like they needed another guy with experience to play on the right side on the blue line, and he was what was available in free agency. Yeah. Like I, I don't think he wasn't their first choice. I bet he wasn't their second or third choice. I mean, I don't know who else they were looking at, but there was all that talk about wanting to trade for a defenseman, and I'm sure they tried, and it didn't come together, and. That's this is what they ended up with, but I think they're going to trade for a defenseman. I just don't know how. I think they need to trade for a center too, right? Like I so, think so too, I yes. don't know how they do that either, but we will see. I mean, a lot of times, like it, it's not uncommon. You sign a player in the offseason, it doesn't work, and you trade him. Like it, it's not. You know what I mean? Like we saw that with Nick Ritchie. We saw. I'm trying to think of other examples. They signed Nicholas Abe Kubel in free agency the first day, and like six days in the season, they. Oddly, trade him. You know what I mean? Like these things happen. Sometimes you try something, it doesn't work, and you move on. So I don't know. I think the Klingberg thing has been fine so far. Not yep, bad, I not th- great. I mean, I think pairing him with McCabe was a disaster, but uh, we thought that, that would be right. Most of that seems like it's McCabe, though. Uh, before we get to some questions, let me ask you let me see what I have here on my list of things I wanted to talk to you about. 
Do you care that Matthews and Barner are playing a lot? Do you think it's just early? Do you think it's circumstantial based on the games? Tell me what you think. I got I've got this pulled up here. So forwards in the NHL, number one in the whole league is Matthews, and number two is Marner, and they're ahead of number three uh, is Jack Hughes, and he's a whole minute behind Marner and Matthews. Wow, I didn't. And and number four is Kucherov and Drysidel, and they are like almost two minutes back. So, you know, minus the two Leafs guys and Jack Hughes, the the top minutes in the league top out at twenty one forty five or twenty two, and then the Leafs guys are both at twenty four. Some of that's like the overtime. Some of that's the playing from behind. It feels a little bit to me. Maybe this is too strong a language, but I was going to say it feels a little bit desperate to me to play those guys twenty four minutes a game. Like that is, I think that's that is fair. A, that is a lot. Yeah, it feels like you're, I mean, you're being Keith. You're behind in the game, and you're like, those are my two best players. I'm just going to play the shit out of them and hope that they get a goal, and then hope that they get another goal, and hope that we win the game. And it's it's it seems like it's almost very single game focused as opposed to big right. picture big season focus is that right it's a trust think? thing too like i don't it doesn't seem like Keith trusts his other lines to do what he wants to yeah like he's really only got one line that he feels really good about and really only two X. players right like it's not even a full line yeah so last year marner was fifth among forwards in ice time at 21 17 so he's almost three minutes higher a game and Matthews played 2017. Matthews played through a lot of injuries last year. So Matthews was almost almost four minutes less a game last year. So it's very substantial how much it is. So like all that is to say, at some point, they've got to dial that back down. Like it's just, it's too much. And I, I'm sure Keith would say, you know, it's circumstantial. If they get into it, like let's say they go into Washington and they're up 3 nothing. those guys are going to be playing way less. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just pulling up the, the ice time for the other forwards. So to your point, Nylander's at like 20 and change, almost 21. Tavares, 1840. And then there's like a pretty big drop to Bertuzzi at like just under 16. You know what I mean? And then it's Yarncroc and then it's Domi. So I think you're right. I think a lot of it is like, I'm just going to go with the guys I trust. And like, I think part of that is like, he's still getting to know and figure out these new players like there's a lot of new players as we touched on last week right so that's part of it but i mean like what's the ideal number for you at the end of the year that those guys play per game is it 21 minutes yeah like 21 and a half seems fine okay yeah so it's 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 quite a bit less and part of the challenge is going to be if you're using matthews on the penalty kill there's got to be some give back on the minutes somewhere um I, you, you mentioned that they have a lot of new players. What, what's your read of of Keefe's, how he feels about the team and, and what he's got right now? Like, does it feel like he's still searching for answers? Because like sometimes it, yes. when you're watching from afar, it feels like that. Like just like in terms of like how many lineup changes there are and some of the things that you see him say. Yes, um, and and James, like to that point, he alluded to something like that today, where he basically said all that moving around and everything like that on Saturday leads them to 
end up with Nye's playing with Domi and those guys finding a connection all of a sudden and then scoring a couple goals. Mm-hmm. So maybe like all, like it's it's almost like you're just shaking, shaking, shaking and, until you you see something you like. And he he clearly likes to shake things up, maybe too much at times. Um, but I I don't I don't honestly I don't blame him with the way it's gone. Like nothing has really looked great. Um, like they've just been to my point earlier. Like they've been cycling through left wingers in the top six. Like they've literally tried almost everything. I think like the next step will be trying Matthew Nyes with Matthews and Marner. I don't think they're there yet. I think they might get there at some point, but. Yeah, like it's 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 also like roles. Like I, I think Keith was asked about the camp line last week, um, and basically he said is like he was asked why camp. I mean, it was what I wrote about why camp is not starting as much in the defensive zone as he had been in the past, and he alluded to some of the different players on his line, right? So like the personnel changes, and so you have to adjust, and it's like well, so I just think he's in like a real adjustment phase right now where he's trying to figure out his team does that make sense okay yep that's actually a good segue to the question segment of the podcast too so do you want to take us to break let's have a break jonas and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsns varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply all right, James, uh, question time. I'm trying to think if I have any questions to ask you before we get to. Well, if you want to get questions and you got to respond to my call out, if you want to get, you know. Oh, is that right? Reply. You get a reply. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Anyway, I don't have any questions. Go ahead. Uh, Alex says, uh, maybe this is just an overreaction to Saturday night, but should Nice get a look on the top line? That's something you just alluded to. Yeah, I was I mean, thinking I, about that honestly before the Tampa game. That maybe that's like the next iteration of this. What do you think? I could see it. I mean, he has some some bunting qualities that you were talking about. Although probably not. I need to see him play more at the NHL level, but probably not the same level of uh, passing. Is probably not his his forte. I mean, he's more more a guy who's gonna. Hunt Close the puck down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could see him fitting there. I mean, I could certainly see in the medium term that that's where he ends up playing with those guys. Yeah, nice, I, is, nice, nice is fun to watch. Like, I, it, it's fun to see him break through because I think he, he had earned it in that game. Yeah, it's kind of easy, and I found this with myself, is you forget, like, he he's not just, like, a rookie. He's, like, an early rookie. Like, he's... You know what I mean? Like he's not just, he's not that rookie who played 40 games the year before and is now in his quote unquote second season. Like I, how many games has he played? He's played less than 20 games in the NHL. Like he's, and I see him around the rink sometimes and I'm just like, oh yeah, he's like, he just turned 21. Like he is so early in his career yeah. and maybe he was in it was, the USHL like two years ago. Right. Like, and it's kind of easy to get ahead of yourself. And I think I probably got ahead of myself at camp just watching him thinking like what he could be this year. You just kind of are, I 
I'm reminding myself that he is still super duper young and still figuring it out. And he's looked pretty good anyway. So. Yeah. Do you know the the bad guy in uh, the Ninja Turtles movies called Super Duper Fly? What happened to Splinter? Splinter's not a bad guy. Oh, yeah. He's their mentor. I forgot. I haven't (laughs) thought about that series in a long time. (laughs) Oh, man. Shredder? Shredder. Shredder. What happened to Shredder? Oh, he's not in this movie. He's in, you got to go back and watch the movies from the 90s. He's in that one. I saw those. Those were good. Who's your favorite uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? I got to say, in the new movie, Splinter is now my favorite. So I know he's not one of the turtles, but he's uh, Jackie Chan does the voice. And he's, it's, it's so good. I was watching that with uh, with my daughter on a weekend. So I think you're like a Leonardo kind of guy. Yeah, that's no? fair. I, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I liked uh, Michelangelo. I liked the yeah, goofy one. Yeah, I think one. everyone did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, Alex also has part two to his question, and he says it feels like Nick Robertson is approaching quadruple A territory, where he's too good for the HL, but not good enough for the NHL. But is he is he gonna have to wait for someone to get hurt to get a look? I mean, I think so, yeah. But again, and we've talked about this before in the show, if if an offensive producing player gets hurt, there's not a whole bunch of guys with the Marlies that you're like, yeah, he can come in and play in our top nine and produce offense. Like Robertson's one of the only ones where like if if a grinder type gets hurt, it's like, okay, I can see Bobby McMahon coming in and playing on the fourth line. But if I don't know, I don't want to put any Domi. bad mojo on. Yeah, Just I don't want to put any me. bad mo- mojo on anybody, but if if what Bertuzzi has means he's got to miss some games, and you want to bring up a forward, then Robertson might be the might be the solution to come in. So Robertson's got he scored a nice power play goal there in their win the other day. He's got six points in four games. Uh, the other top scorers on the Marlies right now are you know some like veteran uh, minor league types: Logan Shaw, Blandizi. Um, and then there's not really a lot of other people lighting the lamp down there. McMahon has, uh, he was hurt, but he's got two goals in the two games he's played. You know, there's not, they're not loaded with a whole bunch of offense down there with the Marlies. So I think as soon as they need someone who can produce, that Robertson's going to get the call. And Elliot Friedman had a note in his last column that was um, basically. I don't know. It, normally when Elliot like kind of like floats something out there, there's substance to it. But basically it was something like if Robertson doesn't get an opportunity with the Leafs this year, there could be like a desire on his part to be traded. So I think the Leafs have to be mindful of that and give him an opportunity, especially if he's lighting up the AHL the way he is now, that if there is an injury, that he's going to be the guy that the next guy called up. Yeah, I think it's getting to, it's not there yet, but it's getting to this guy might need a fresh start. I don't think they're there yet. Like you still kind of want to see this a little bit longer. Like as much as like he has played well in the AHL, how many AHL games do you think he's played? Total. Mm, not a lot because of all the injuries. 55. Like he, he just hasn't played yeah. a lot of games there. Like maybe yeah. to your point from earlier in the year, like maybe just like do a full season and let him like, what was it like be over ready for the NHL kind of thing? I don't like, I don't yeah, think he's like I a slam dunk NHL at this point yet. No, he's not. But I think that I think he he and his camp should just kind of like chill on like the idea. I'm not saying that they've done this, but I don't think they should make a trade request because it's still like 
dominating the down there. One injury is all it takes. Come up and you'll get an opportunity. And then that's going to be that's going to be a big opportunity for him. Next question comes from Matthews fan, but it is not an Austin Matthews question. Matthews fan wants to know: Will whoops, shoot. Matthews fan wants to know: Is this the year that Timothy Logren becomes a mainstay in the top four on the Leafs' defense? What do you think, Jonas? It's certainly looking like it. Like he played, uh, what was the number? Almost twenty-four minutes in Tampa, and I thought yep. it was interesting. Like we, to go back to what we were talking about with Klingberg, Klingberg didn't play like a bunch in the third period, and that was because like he was just playing Lilligren, and Lilligren was playing well, and he's moving the puck well. Not a lot's happening bad defensively when he's out there. So the early signs are good. I mean, what's, what's interesting about the timing of that in that question is the Leafs are going to face the Capitals on Tuesday, and obviously mm. they'll be facing Rasmus Sandin, who is now playing like a million minutes on their top pair in Washington. And he was kind of like, obviously, the other guy in this mix where they could have kept both, they could have kept one, they could have traded Lilgren, they could have kept Sandine. Obviously, they kept Lilgren, traded Sandine, and we'll see what decision was right and what was not. But I think it's been promising from him so far. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, he was good on that third pair with Giordano and moving up against good teams. I didn't see a drop-off. and That's the key, James. That is that is the key, and I think that's the point that always gets overlooked with with some of the numbers is like, yes, a guy can have really good underlying numbers playing third pair minutes, playing lighter competition, but is that going to translate when he moves up and starts playing harder minutes, harder competition, more in his own zone? And I think it's so it's positive when you see the sameness kind of continue when the minutes get harder. Not only that, but with McCabe being kind of all over the place, it hasn't really thrown Lilgren off so yes. far. Like, it has, you know, the pairing has been it hasn't been like when when he was with Klingberg and there were, everything was going everywhere. So there's been some st- some stability there, and I, it'll be huge for the Leafs if Logan can play in the top four. Yeah, well, I mean that that helps when you're like, yeah, you're paying Klingberg four point one five to play in your third pair, but you're also playing Logan one point four to play in your second pair. So it all works out. Yeah, and then maybe when you're looking for a defenseman, you're like, well, maybe we're okay on the right side. Maybe we look for a left side. Maybe we want to push Giordano and McCabe down, and it gives you some flexibility if Logan shows he can do it. Honestly, that kind of actually feels like where it might be going. It's easier to get a left shot D. However, it's not like how do you make that trade work? I mean, obviously, injuries could be part of it, but Hmm. anyway, we'll see. And 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 Brody's been pretty solid this year too. So that's that's been good for them that Brody's bounced back from a tough stretch in the playoffs. Masters asked me today to power rank the defensemen so far, and I think we went like Riley, Brody, Lilgren, Klingberg, McCabe, or Klingberg, Giordano, McCabe, something like that. Yeah, that's that's about right. Anyway. Giordano's been fine. I mean, they've they found a way to dial his minutes down. So way that, down. Yeah. You know, he's playing 13 a game at even strength, and I think that that's where he should be at his, his I got to be stage. honest, though, James, this is a deep cut. Like, I don't love the idea of 40-year-old Mark Giordano being on your number one penalty killing unit. Like, that's not going to last. It just can't. I guess they just like having the all-time NHL shot block king out there. To, <laughs> yeah. And he had a good 
Good shot block there. He does block shots, yes. Lots of questions about trading for a defenseman. I think we've gotten into that enough. There's not really anything we can say at this point. I mean... As we get into November, December, there'll start to be more trade rumors. I don't. There's been there's been talk in Columbus that they're looking to trade a defenseman. I don't know if there's anyone there. That yeah, some interesting you. guys. I mean, like the guy he, I liked last year's peak, but like he's not the right shot. He's more meat and potatoes, so I don't know where the fit is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. Like maybe it's a left shot. Like the guy, like I kind of keep coming back to the guys. Are the Calgary guys like they just it just makes sense? Like Hannafin makes a lot of sense. I think Hannafin would be amazing on this team, yeah, right? Like you put yeah. Hannafin and Lilgren, and that's kind of like your number yeah. two pair. That's pretty good, yeah. And then you're back to McCabe and Klingberg as your third pair, and they can, <laughs> yeah. they, can they can chaos giraffe it up down there. Um, Cole wants to know, uh, do you think that the Leafs losing their defensive forwards hurt them more than they expected? So defensive forwards, Engvall, Mikheyev, Kerfoot, to some extent O'Reilly and Achari, at least towards the end of last year. Anyone I'm forgetting? I think that's about it, right? Do I think it's... Are, I I think if you gave Sheldon Keefe truth serum, I think he would say... I mean, I think he probably knew that it would be an issue, but I think yeah. once you get into games... I mean, one of the things that they haven't really confronted yet which will be interesting and it would be interesting if this were like playoff time is like when you're protecting a lead, how many guys on this team forward wise, like do you feel comfortable putting out there to protect the lead? It's like, uh. we, I mean, we sort of mentioned it. Like if you have, like if you're going yarn crock, Matthews, Marner, yeah. let's say, let's say you're cutting your bench. Down. Yeah. Good call. You're protecting a lead. There's five minutes left. You need two lines to get out there. It's hard to, it's hard to come up with the other, group i think it would probably be Tavares. i mean you'd want camp out there but it's like well because in the past you know like like that line it wasn't a sexy line but the camp mckayev ingval line was the one that was kind of like you know pure defensive but the problem they ran into in the playoffs is they just weren't getting enough out of that line like they would just they weren't giving anything at the other end of the ice so it needs to be there needs to be a balance between having like a defensive good defensive forwards but you need you need players that can also scare the other team at times too and they they've been in situations where they haven't always had that well that's what they tried to build last year in the playoffs when they had their third line by the end was bunting o'reilly achari and that line just didn't really create much and mm-hmm. then you had camp and lafferty as like your 11 and or your 10 and 11 forwards and they were good together they were effective have you noticed if you know O'Reilly's off to a really hot start in Nashville, he's on like top line center. He's playing big minutes, playing on the power play, putting up big uh, XG numbers for people who are into that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, Michael wants to know who do you think will be the starter by the season's end, Samsonov or Wall? I mean, we'd just be guessing. We, we might as well we might as well ask us to guess what the weather's going to be on the day the season ends because, like, I who who knows. I mean, it could be someone else. <laughs> Who knows? Too early. Frank says he thinks that they should they should keep Nylander with Matthews and Marner and go uh, Bertuzzi, Tavares, Yarncroc, Nice, Camp, and Domi. What do you think? 
I don't hate the idea of giving them a little bit of runway together. Or just are they too easy to shut down if they've got like all the eggs yeah. are on the one on the yeah. one line? That's a that's a great counter. That's probably it, right? If that line doesn't score, maybe you can get the odd goal from Tavares and whoever is on that line. But you kind of want like you want drivers on each line, right? Like Neander is kind of driving that other line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, the one thing I think that will eventually become a thing again is. Do you break up Matthews and Marner? Like that's going to happen at some point. I just don't know when. It's not yet, but uh, Brandon wants to know: Is playing the fourth line seven minutes a game the long term plan? Is that a common thing in the NHL? Not really. No, you see it like sometimes when sometimes it's situational, and I think part of what we're seeing is situational because as we've talked about, the Leafs have been trailing a lot, needing to come back against Montreal and. Florida and Tampa, they've been behind in those games, Chicago game. Um, so that tends to happen that you shorten your bench. But this is pretty extreme. And part of the driver for it is has been – some of it has been Minton, but most of it's been Ryan Reeves, right? And I thought that – I don't know about you, Jonas, but I thought that Reeves really struggled in the games in Florida and Tampa. It just looked really, really slow. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've noticed is always behind the play. And so they're always, when the play goes the other way, they're always kind of outnumbered. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that that was the best that line has looked all year. Like, Holmberg brought a little juice. But, man, like, I don't don't know where that's going to go, I guess, is what I've talked to you about is, like, if this is what it's going to be, I don't know how it's tenable. Uh, which of these nicknames do you like better? Nick has some nicknames here for Joseph Wool. Should he be called the Wool Patrol? Or should he be called the No Hole Wool? Huh? That one's tough. <laughs> that one's, that's, that's, uh, that's what I would use. What if they just called, I, I think I mentioned this to Cloak, what if they just called him Brick? And then people would say, well, why do they call you Brick? Huh? Brick you Tam- get it? Brick, Tam- Brick Tamlin. I love lamp. <laughs> That's <laughs> not what I was thinking, but yeah, sure. There is there is a lot of goalie. It's all goalie questions and trade for defenseman questions, I'm afraid. Well, let me ask yeah. you this. Um, do you consider this a controversy? Is this just a competition? How, what do you like? Do you care about yeah, any of these? It's five games in. I mean, I, it's there's going to be times this year for sure where Wool isn't on his game and Samson was playing like they're going to go back and forth. And I think that that's healthy and I think it's good. And, um, I don't, I don't, it, it's not really controversial right now because one goalie's playing well and one isn't. So play yes. the goalie who's playing. That's like, what's controversial about that? That's yeah. I'm with you. All right. I think, do you have one more question or are we done? Here, let's go. This here's a crazy question to end us off. We'll, we'll make it short on this one. Uh, T. Rye is the T-Rye. Okay. T. Rye says, if you could get the DeLorean up to 88 miles an hour, go back to July, and you didn't sign Bertuzzi or Domi or Reeves or Klingberg, instead you just had a bunch of Marleys and Sam Lafferty on your team, and then you'd have a bunch of cap space to make moves, would you do it? <laughs> I think you know my answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go back to the I, future. I like that question. That's a good one. Right. Wouldn't we you? Some, we get some creative stuff. 
I don't know if I would do it with all four of those guys, like not sign them. Like I think, but I think that the Klingberg one, I don't really, I, 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 I wouldn't have done it. I just would have went into the year just with, you know, try out some of the depth D that you've got. Right. Just play Timmons. Like it felt then, like a little, a little bit of a panic move. I mean, if you have to play Topi Niemela 10 minutes a game or you got to play Legison a little bit or whatever, and then, or maybe you claim one of the guys that was on waivers or James Timmons. I, don't know, I just, yeah, well, he's Timmons right just, now though, Jonas. Yeah, but like he's, he wouldn't, he wasn't hurt to start the season. Like you could have, had you not done anything, Logan could have just been on your second pair, Timmons on your third pair, and like you would have cap space. And if that wasn't good enough, which it probably wouldn't be good enough, you could just trade for someone. Yeah. Right? It seemed like they kind of like panicked a little bit that like they didn't, they tried to get Gudis, he turned them down. They had, they had like a three, four million dollar hole in their budget. And, but yes, I think that if the, if they don't sign Reeves and, and Klingberg and you've got extra room there, and then maybe you could have brought in a few more depth forwards like Gregor. Um, Kept that's, that's property. That's, that's what, yeah, your, your buddy, your BFF. Um, let me know when the wedding date is, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we're done. I think we're done. All right, well, we will be back uh, next week. We haven't nailed down a date. We're still working that out. Um, but there will be plenty to talk about. The Leafs play in Washington, then they play in Dallas, then they play in Nashville. And then they come home to face the Kings. It's like an eight o'clock game against the Kings. Weirdly, it must be like a US TV game. It's isn't that Halloween night? They're playing LA. Oh, is that? Do you think that might be the reason? Like they're letting parents take their kids out. That can't be the reason. I don't know. But I all I know is I am going to be out trick or treating, and I'll be watching that game on tape delay. So, all right. Well, I will keep you posted on everything. Sounds good. All right, James. Thanks for this. 